Welcome to Over the Rainbow, a safe space and voice for all queer identities. I'm your host, Rachel Keithley, and I use she, her pronouns. Every other Wednesday, we bring you new episodes dedicated to queer education, representation, and activism. Today's guest is Monica Mills. Monica, I always like people to introduce themselves, so do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. So my name is Monica. My pronouns are she, her. I currently live in the Czech Republic. I am a teacher, an artist, and a curator, I guess. (laughs) Fantastic CV. I love it. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the show. And today we're going to be talking specifically about a bit of your expertise, which is, I guess, art and media. I'm going to be talking about queer representation in art and media. But before we do, let's start by sharing something we've done this week to engage in queer education or activism. So do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, I'll go first because it's been um, kind of an incredible week, actually. I had my art opening of an exhibition that I curated with 10 queer artists on Friday and the exhibition is still running and it was uh, an incredible event on Friday. We had nearly 100 people attend the opening. We had tears, we had people crying, saying it was like the safest space that they found. Um, and yeah, I kind of came home and cried a little bit too. Oh my God, I did that. Um, yeah, and I was just there. I literally just come from the gallery again and there was a lot more people there this morning as well. So it's been fantastic and it kind of doesn't really feel real, but I'm definitely on some kind of high. <laughs> Honestly, that is absolutely amazing. And it's so cool to hear that you're getting so much engagement. I'm excited to hear more about it later. So what have you done? Uh, Well, actually, I was like, how can I even follow this? But I have finally finished my PhD yesterday. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you. I haven't actually handed it in yet. That is tomorrow, just because I wanted to do that with my supervisor. But it is 80,000 words talking about LGBTQ plus online hate, the impacts, and how we can respond at the level of the law and community action. So that is four years of work done phenomenal congratulations that's amazing thank you I hope that you plan on (laughs) yeah I mean yeah I'll have to say that because I launched straight into exam marking straight after my mum was like oh you can relax now I was like mum it's me please (laughs) (laughs) yeah I kind of feel the same way it's um I'm doing my students like oral exams this week I'm like okay change brain change brain um so yeah I completely feel you there (laughs) yeah it's just switching hats Anyway, great examples from us both. So let's get on with the show. So to start with, I guess I want to introduce the listeners to what queer art really is. So what is queer art and media? And I guess from that, what does queer art mean to you? So I, when I was doing my master's last year and looking at a lot of queer art, I was very against the idea of being labeled as a queer artist, um, mostly because I thought I found at the time I was finding it quite limiting um, because it's kind of people that expect you to only do that. Um, having finished my master's, having now also curated ex- um, this exhibition with people who identify as queer, people who are allies and people who really just want to 
express the love they have for that community, it kind of made me realize that queer art is whatever you want it to be. It's if you want to call this art queer, it's queer. If you want to call yourself a queer artist, it is you are that. And if you don't want to identify as that, then I'm, like you don't have to be. Um, there are kind of labels in uh, that I've noticed quite a lot in um, like the art world. People like to pigeonhole you. You wouldn't think that we're creatives. We wouldn't want to be in a box. People like to do it. <laughs> Um, but I try and actually take on as, I'm like, okay, give me that label and give me the feminist label and give me the educator label and give me all of the labels because then eventually you're out of, you're out of the box. You're not even on the page anymore. <laughs> so I think it really depends on the creators themselves. And also if you create something that speaks to another person in a way that makes them feel comfortable, then that's queer for them. So I think it entirely depends on every like single individual person. I guess from that, I'd be interested to know if you could tell me a bit more about it, what your journey into, I guess, art and then queer forms of art has been. How did you come to that? Yeah, it's been a very strange journey. Um, when I first started painting a little bit more seriously about six, seven years ago, I definitely took a more kind of feminist approach that was something that's always been very like strongly within me especially reading about things like the gorilla girls and how few women artists there are and how we have to fight for our space and how we are underrepresented how we don't have um we don't even make a quarter of the money that the men make um and i was also focusing on the female form it was something that i thought was you know perfect <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was kind of really focusing on like female form, female bodies. Um, and then also when I started, so I kind of was just taking kind of a little bit of a traditional route. And then when I started my master's, you have to pick a topic. You have to pick something that you're interested in. I'm interested in everything. Um, <laughs> so it was a little bit of a struggle actually to decide um, what I wanted to focus on. But I kept going to going out in Prague and going to like the queer bars and like my friends are mostly queer and this is something that we have arguments with our friends and they're like, you're very opinionated. I'm like, yes, because I'm right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I kind of when I was kind of very curious about the places I have lived in. I'm a little bit of a self-confessed narcissist. Um, and as a queer woman, I didn't have any one representation, any adults to look up to. And I grew up in Zimbabwe, that it doesn't exist. It just isn't even something that is spoken about. Um, I did move to the UK and I mean, I was still in school under section 28. So it was not talked about at school at all whatsoever. Um, it was only when I went to university the first time <laughs> when I did my bachelor's that I studied sociology and we had oh, we had an amazing uh, lecturer and we actually started to study like gender and sociology and I was like oh my god finally <laughs> someone wants to have an intelligent conversation about this um and it wasn't just kind of how do I put this it wasn't just something that was titillating um or kind of taboo it was actually intelligent 
And, but then I've moved since. I've lived in New Zealand, quite a liberal country. I've lived in the Czech Republic, relatively liberal, not the laws, but the attitude. Um, and then I've lived in Macau, which again, it's completely illegal and not even a concept. Um, so when I was doing my master's, I wanted to have a look at what the laws actually were because it never really crossed my mind. I just did what I want to do. <laughs> um, and I was like, it's fine. Why would, it, why would it affect me? And then when I started kind of, I'm an Excel nerd. Um, I love me a spreadsheet. And so when I started collecting the data kind of for myself, this was kind of like mid pandemic. Um, I was just, it was more of a curiosity and putting data together in a creative way because no one likes to read a spreadsheet. Um, even me, I like to make the spreadsheet and then turn it into something else. Uh, that's when I was kind of like, okay, I probably, this is taking up all of my time instead of me doing my master's, maybe I should do my master's on this. So it was kind of a, a twofold journey. I was painting about everything and anything. Um, and then I was doing my own research just because I was really, really curious. And they kind of beautiful little union, they came together. Uh, so I was really lucky in that way that it worked. And I think when my lecturer and like my mentor kind of realized how much work I'd done on the side of something else, they were like, oh, you're changing away from like your topic of like painting and light and all these things. You're moving to something you haven't studied. I was like, you say that, look how much research I do for fun. <laughs> it made a lot of sense for them as well. And then as soon as I kind of realized that this was what I could do, I immersed myself so deep, I had to climb out of a hole, very much so. Um, I went, I spoke to people I, I interviewed people from around the world about like their countries and their rules. Um, and then I made sculptures accordingly. And then I was also interested in about the representation. Um, I'm a 1990s baby, just about. Um, and yeah, I think the only representation I remember, and I've said this a couple of times is that song by Tattoo, all the things she said. Yeah. Yep. Classic, yep. but. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> And uh, I remember the, the Madonna and Britney Spears kiss. And I did eventually start watching the original L Word series, but I had the DVDs. Yeah, DVDs, right? Um, and I hid them like in my room because I didn't really know where to put them or how to talk about this. And that, that was it. That, that, was, that was it <laughs> as a teenager. And I didn't know anyone else um who was out or comfortably out um it was all very kind of clandestine and kind of oh my god i think she might be gay kind of thing so it was yeah it was it was quite a strange journey so i was very very interested in other people's um and i think kind of bringing it to today what I noticed the most on Friday at the exhibition, like the demographic of people that we had were from 17, 18 years old to people in their 40s and 50s. Um, and it was, it was amazing because I was like, I know that those of us in our 30s and 40s and 50s, we didn't have the older community. So it felt amazing to be able to be like, okay, I see you, our little baby gays, we got you. <laughs> 
And it was an amazing thing to actually just to experience. And you know that everybody there felt like that this was a safe place. And I think that that's what every single person needs. And that's what creativity does. That's what art does. It brings those people to the right places. Wow, I think that's so, so powerful. And I actually love the journey you've been on. I've heard, obviously, for listeners at home, we've been friends for maybe a year now, maybe more, who knows, pandemic times. So, like, I know that you've grown up in so many different places, but it's so interesting to hear just the different, like, experiences you've had in terms of LGBTQ plus representation and rights. You know, it's, it's kind of something we take for granted. We have not had it easy here in the UK, but we've had it easier. So... Yeah, it's fascinating that you've managed to turn this into something so important. And you did mention it at the end, but I just want to tease it out a bit more. Why is LGBTQ plus representation in art so important? Because we've been suppressed. We've been oppressed and people go like, oh, look, look at these beautiful two naked women in a bath together who are best friends. When was the last time you were in a bath with your best friend? (laughs) 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 And I think that... It's, it's kind of twofold. It's one that the, there has been queer art, but it's always been hidden and kind of misguided. And it's, you look for it and you try and search for it and you kind of go, I recognize something of myself in that. But it's that subtlety where if you know, you know, but it's hidden from kind of mainly the more general public who would possibly condemn it, who wouldn't show it who would scorn it, who would judge it, um, and who wouldn't kind of ultimately pay money for it because, you know, there is that stereotype of the poor suffering artist. It's true, (laughs) it exists. So I think there is definitely that aspect of it. And I think queer art is also, I've never met more creative people than queer people. 100%. Like, I've never met a queer person who wasn't creative and thought completely differently to the way that things conventionally are. And I did on, on Friday, I did mention to everybody that all the artwork was there for sale. And I said, I don't judge. I'm a very, I'm a safe person to come to, but if you have Ikea art in your house, I judge you (laughs) (laughs) because it's, you want to be able to not only support the people who are being creative, but it validates creators, it validates people who are queer, it makes people feel that they are then part of the community. And I think that rather than just throwing a rainbow flag on something, supporting people who are actually taking that kind of risk and that leap of faith on them on themselves, every queer person has already done that just by admitting that they're queer. So they already have built up this confidence Um, and this thick skin that every creator needs. Um, And when you kind of push yourself out there, it's it's like being an artist is like a second coming out. (laughs) Or a third or a fourth because it's a constant struggle. Um, So yeah, I think it's also that the community of themselves, like our community is very, like passionate, very caring, and very, very supportive. That's kind of the thing that I've noticed the most. We had incredible drag drag acts on Friday and uh, they like, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. It was just so incredible. Um, And they were so 
I don't even want to say the word brave. They were so confident and original and powerful and they had command of that room more than anyone I've ever seen ever. And there's a lot of respect for what we do because I think in the queer community, everybody knows how difficult it is to be blatantly out, especially with your own work. I call my, my, my aunt my babies. It's my, it's, they're my children. <laughs> um, and so I'm giving birth to queer children like constantly every time I make something. Um, so yeah, there's, a, there's that element of support from the community, understanding and we always support each other. Like we have, I have now seven more events that I'm gonna be working at and hosting at because of what happened on Friday. So it's that ever expanding like, you know, chosen family. Yeah, I love that answer. And I think just what you said about the power of creativity in art is something that I've learned recently. So with, it was something I sadly didn't get to do as much as I wanted to, but as part of my PhD, I really wanted LGBTQ plus young people to create like creative artworks, posters, letters, you know, whatever form they wanted, either talking about their gender and their sexuality or talking about like how hard and how harmful it is to be targeted by hate crime and I only got to do like one sort of small focus group doing that just from the nature of the pandemic it really limited what I could do but it was so 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 powerful and it's something I'm looking to do as a postdoc for future research I was like this this needs to be out there not just for the queer community but because people listen to art like art educates people and I think yeah it's just so powerful in that respect. No, absolutely. I think the fact that people don't always understand something if it's bland, if that makes sense. And art is your so many of your own interpretations. So I think that combined with kind of information and combined with something creative, it just gives people a, a new perception, a new way of looking at something. And it's even for the queer people who were there on Friday night, we were talking and so many of them were like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. And I was like, and it's us. And we, we're all only an individual. We can't think of everything. So I think that's why it's so important to have like the hive mind, the community, so that we can teach and learn and kind of feel that we are allowed to be who we are and we're completely accepted um 100% within our own community community and our own like kind of sub society um but also within you know the general public and <clears throat> quote unquote typical society yeah absolutely and I guess this leads nicely on to my next question with do we have good queer representation in art and if not why not and where does it need to go yeah so I mean, I live in Prague and Prague is, it's a very kind of creative and artistic place, definitely. And I think that because of Pride Month is coming up for us in June, that's for us. And I know that there's always loads and loads of events. Um, and it's quite, it's quite an open month, but it's just an open month. <laughs> uh, I, one of my series of paintings that you know about my Lavender Girls, a year ago, I approached quite a few galleries to exhibit them. And I actually had quite a few turn me down because it was too political. Yes, and I was like, do you know what? I don't wanna show my work in your gallery. <laughs> 
Um, too political, too controversial. These are the words that I was getting. And I was just, I was actually quite surprised because I assumed probably incorrectly that art community is very open and creative and kind of slightly less judgmental. Uh, no. <laughs> um, definitely not. It's still very cliquey. Um, it's also very much of a who you know and what you know. And I'm con con controversially to my two years ago, I'm now definitely very much labeled as a queer artist and I'm now owning it. <laughs> um, but I think that in some ways that does mean that I'm getting pigeonholed. And I know that a lot of art other artists, queer artists are as well. There is not, it's, we have our space. We're not included in the general art which I think can be, there's pros and cons to it. It's good for us to have our own safe space, 100%. Um, but we're not, not just a person who's made art. <laughs> so I think I find that quite difficult and it, it can be something that I don't even know how to, where to start with that here. So I'd rather be in my safe spaces where the people who I want, the people who I love, the people who bring continual people who would appreciate what it is that we do into our spaces because it's not here yet that's for sure yeah it's such a hard point and it made me think as you said it like i you love going to like queer exhibitions or like in england now we have queer britain our first lgbtq plus museum and that's all really exciting because like you want that space where you can finally see yourself but at the same time, it's like, oh, we still have to have the label in front of it. Like, this is queer art. Whereas we wouldn't look at another piece in the Tate Modern and be like, here is some heterosexual art. <laughs> like, it's just, it's not the same. So I get, like, why you're so torn. <laughs> so frustrating. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, it's maybe a grand generalization. But artists, there's, even if you are heterosexual, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt the entirety of your life. <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah, new to queerness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it can be quite frustrating. Um, I understand absolutely that art needs to have, like uh, every exhibition has a theme, every exhibition has something that ties it together and that's very standard and absolutely normal. But for example, if you had your theme that is nature, that doesn't exclude the, it shouldn't exclude the queer community. Um, it shouldn't have to be a queer event to include queer artists. Um, so yeah, I think my, my university, Prague City University, where I've just graduated from, we've been in talks recently about how they can help the community um, more openly, because they kind of realized that it was always the same few individuals, me, um, <laughs> who are always kind of pushing something forward. They were always incredibly supportive, but not maybe the most actively supportive. So for this event, um, like the university actually was like, okay, what can we do? How can we help? How can we support it? What, what do you need? We will come, we will film it, we will do everything. And I'm like, okay, this is better, thank you. <laughs> um, because I think even at the university level, it was, I, th I don't know, maybe with, the kind of a different generation it's like oh is it still a problem i'm like yes it is like my one of i do remember one of my lecturers being like oh, it's a bit it's a little bit passe like 
to a certain extent because I'm still talking about LGBTQ rights and the fact that we, you know, still can't get married in this country. And I was there like, yes, it might be a little bit boring for some people to hear the same thing they've heard a thousand times, but until we're all equal, we're gonna keep talking about it. And I say it with a smile on my face. <laughs> um, and to be fair, they were, they were so supportive, but they kind of, and it was more of a forcing me to critique why I was choosing something um, rather than actually judging it. Um, I did on, what day was it? Thursday last week, I did a, um, I listened to a conference about uh, like LGBTQ uh, inclusion in huge big brands like Ikea. And it was very interesting to talk about the, not the backlash, but the comments that they had from like Ikea having an advert with like a gay couple or, you know, the big rainbow bag that they're kind of advertising everywhere now in order for, you know, Pride Month coming up. Um, and seeing that it's not rainbow washing, which is a thing, very much a thing, because um, actually Ikea is giving the money to, well, a percentage of the money to LGBTQ uh, organizations. Um, but throughout the whole uh, conference, they were talking about like LGBTQ community as a whole, and then how more, how it's so much more difficult for kind of minorities within that. So we have a huge like Roma community here in Prague. And if you're queer in like the Roma community, it's far more difficult because you're already kind of marginalized for being Roma in the Czech Republic. It, this, it is still quite racist, unfortunately. Um, and then if you're queer inside that, in the Roma community, it's not something that's widely accepted. So it's kind of trying to include the, the marginalized within the marginalized. I'm sure I could draw an excellent Venn diagram. Um, <laughs> maybe that'll be one of my next artworks, um, bring in some maths there. Um, and yeah, I think here in the Czech Republic, it's, you, you know where you're safe and you know where you should potentially keep it quiet and just maybe oh it's not important why do you have to why do you have to mention it why is it something you have to bring up it's not like I'm telling you I'm straight I'm like yeah but you're gonna make the assumption that I am unless I say something otherwise um, oh but then I dyed my hair purple and blue and I wear pink lipstick so it gives it away a little bit <laughs> anything that helps <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> um yeah yeah I think that that actually leads really nicely onto my next question which is how art and queer representation in art can be a form of activism I know we touched upon it before but can you say a bit more about that yeah well I think that any piece of art can and should make you think about something that is larger than yourself um, even if you're looking like a Mark Rothko, which is just, you know, layers and layers and layers of colors on top of colors, um, when you see them in real life, they're quite large <laughs> and it's just colors, but it gives you the sense of kind of magnificence, this opulence, and it, it can kind of, with, just without sounding trite, be awe-inspiring. Um, and I think something that actively chooses to make you think about the queer community and queer kind of individuals and how they've dealt with their life and coped with where they are um, 
gives you the opportunity to kind of feel a little bit more equal, especially if you are heteronormative. It's not something that you would think about because you don't have to. And that's not a fault of yours. But if art makes you think about somebody else's perspective, then that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think there's so much to learn from it. And it's like you said before, it's so much more accessible than just having to sit for hours listening to a talk. Like that's just going to go straight over someone's head. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I think art is an amazing way of helping people kind of realize something that maybe they didn't see or hear or understand. Um, the, the works that I've just exhibited are my deconstructed sexuality, like pride flags. Um, and I, not everybody knew exactly what they were. And that, that's what I wanted. They were like, oh, I love these colors. I love this. And I'm like, okay, cool. What, what does it make you think of? What is like, tell me, I love hearing other people's interpretations of art. And especially my art, told you the narcissism thing. <laughs> um, but when they kind of, and I listen, I will always listen more before I kind of go like, okay, so my intention behind it, which is doesn't mean that you're wrong, just that from what I created um, was to kind of have a subtle nod towards the colors within the flags without being so either overt because if somebody wants to have the flag for example um, on like a tote bag or you know on a t-shirt it's a lot more subtle than having a very big rainbow flag or something like that and some people unfortunately are not widely accepted in their in their families, in their friendship groups, in their societies, communities. So it's like a subtle nod to who you are without having to possibly put yourself in a dangerous space. Um, but still your community will find you. It's like a tiny little flag, like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, find me, find me. Um, so I think things like that are very, very important. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit like having a secret handshake that's kind of how I see it. Having a secret handshake, like you recognize something like I've seen that movie or I know, especially movies. Like I think art is not everyone's cup of tea, but if you have like movies and series and you're like, oh, you watched before it. Oh, you watched Carol 23 times. Okay, I know where you're coming from now. <laughs> so it gives you kind of that um, recognition of somebody that you know is then gonna be a safe person to talk to which is the most important thing. There's nothing like being isolated. We all know that now. Yeah, I think that's a huge lesson to learn. And I absolutely loved your deconstructed flags. But anyone who has not seen, we will obviously share your Instagram and social medias at the end so people can go check them out. But I want to talk more about all the fantastic work you've been doing. We won't even have time to get into it all, but <laughs> no. the main ones. We'll start with Lavender Girls. So can you tell the listeners a bit more about that? Yeah, so Lavender Girls started kind of what I've mentioned before with this lack of representation. Um, I didn't really watch any anything other than the L word um, for lesbian representation until I was like in my 20s. Um, and I was like, oh, it exists. What rock have I been living under? <laughs> And again, you have to understand this was before Netflix. This was before like pirating things online, which obviously we don't do. Um, so I didn't even know where to look for it. Um, so it's, it's what exactly, it's one of those things where I didn't find it. I was told about it from other people who are in the community who said, watch this, 
watch this. So I started watching um, uh, lesbian movies from the year, like from the 21st century and focusing on the moment of coming out because everyone's coming out story is entirely different. And the first time you come out, not like every other time you have to do it, but the first time, um, the big one. And I was watching the movies and I got to a point where I was pausing it at the moment of coming out and taking um, like a print screen or a snapshot of the timestamp. And I was blurring the screenshot according to the percentage of the way through the movie. How long does it take the main character in this overtly lesbian movie to actually come out? Um, and it was quite, it did vary quite a lot. Um, I think if I remember correctly, ooh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I will be able to find out right now, but they varied from like eight minutes into the first movie which was very, very fast <laughs> to uh, somewhere between, it's normally towards the end of the movie because that became the point. It's like coming out was the only story really that we have to tell. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's a good story. It's a good story, but there's some other better stories out there. Yeah, yeah, well, Imagine Me and You, a classic, absolute classic. Um, this was within 21 minutes. Loose mentions and states her sexuality and says, Well, I'm gay. Um, and I love the look on the uh, the man's face when he says it because she says it to, to him and he goes, Well, well, well done. <laughs> I'm like, Great, I wish everyone said well done to me every time I admitted, I admitted my sexuality. Do I get a high five? Do I get a badge? Do I mean, can I, can I put some money in my account? That would be great. Um, so yeah, so the Lavender Girl series was a part of my master's and I learned so much. I tried to be as diverse with where the movies were coming from. Um, my biggest recommendation is Angry Indian Goddesses. It is a phenomenal movie. Um, I found it in like Hindi and in English uh, online. Uh, if anyone finds a copy that's entirely in English, because I didn't have subtitles, that was quite difficult. <laughs> Please send it my way. But that was, it was a group of friends going on a, on a Hindu, and one of them is just very quiet, and it's, and they can't, and they can't really understand what it is that she's clearly hiding. Um, and it, it deals with a lot of kind of misogyny as well as kind of, like the homophobia, but not really because the friends still love her, but they don't really understand it because it's not something that's talked about. Um, but it's a phenomenal movie. It will break your heart into a million pieces. Um, like 100%, you will just cry. Um, but, but for good reasons. That one, definitely have to mention. And then I think one of my other favorites, uh, when I lived in Macau, like Macau, it's illegal to be gay. It's just straight up not a thing. Um, there's a movie called Sisterhood, and it's it's more it's far more subtle, um, and it's by this director Tracy Choi, who's actually a friend of a friend. And she, when she found out about the, the series I was doing, she sent me 
the movie so that I could watch it. Um, yeah, this is incredible. And it's another, you're going to cry <laughs> the whole way through the movie, but it really does. It, it really focuses on like the blurred boundaries between the female relationships of people who don't, who suppress them, who they are. And it's devastating. It's, it's truly like painful to watch in a society that I lived in for, like I recognize Macau was tiny. I recognize everywhere that they were filming. Um, and it's never kind of, it's almost never spoken about. It's, it's not your, you know, hand holding and lingering eyes contact the whole time. It's more the arguments and the conversations and the way that the relationships change because one of them is so against being who they are. And what makes it so poignant, I think, is that that's definitely the case. That's, I mean, it's not based on a true story, but you know that there are going to be stories like that um, in a country of 600,000 people. Come on, there's going to be at least, at least like 5% of people who have been struggling with the exact same thing. Um, so yeah, that's another recommendation, definitely. And with these paintings, um, my friend Joanna and I ended up making a documentary about it. Um, we were mid pandemic as everybody was. <laughs> and we were both looking for, like, I was concentrating on my masters and Joanna was at the time not working. And so I was like, you, she's a videographer. She's amazing at what she does. I was like, uh, let's make a documentary about Lavender Girls. And it was, it was very fun to do. The documentary has done really, really well. We've shown it a bunch of film festivals. We showed it here during uh, Pride last year. And it was an amazing experience. Turns out I hate being filmed, um, <laughs> which is a massive error if you're doing a documentary about you and your work. Um, I think I definitely prefer narrating over the top. That's, that's my thing. David Attenborough style. Yeah, exactly. I absolutely love that. Um, but actually being on camera is really difficult. So props to anybody who, who does that. Um, and it was an amazing, but it was an amazing experience because it really made me focus on every single painting in a very concise, concise way. And yeah, I have, I have them all at home right now and I'm so attached to them. I haven't even, like, I've, they're all wrapped up in their like special casing and I'm like, no, they just need a year to sit. So I'm hoping that my plan is for next June is to have an exhibition for them. Um, here in Prague during Pride Month because no one will be interested before then. Um, <laughs> or maybe just I'll do my own thing again because, you know, at least I will. I, I don't mind being gay the other 11 months of the year. <laughs> it's a full-time job. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, amazing. I mean, let's see if I can get out to Prague for that. It's been a tricky time. I managed to get to Prague last year, but it was not in Pride Month, so there was no queer stuff going on. So <laughs> hopefully next Nothing year. Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> it was shut down. <laughs> um, okay, so now you've already obviously mentioned it right at the beginning, but can you tell us more about Under Construction? Because that is ongoing, current, it's amazing. Uh, thank you. I, it's possibly one of the things I am proudest of in my entire life. Uh, it's so I, I moved, I left 
the Czech Republic and then I came back because why not and I started a teaching job and I'm teaching in a high school right now um, and I started in November so awkward time to start um, I was taking over from a teacher who decided to just retire just half, like you know two months into the year and I'm teaching I am teaching English um, you know stereotypical expat life but I'm teaching at a culinary school and so all my students are training to be kind of chefs, baristas, like mixologists, um, hotel managers. And so it's very, it's quite specific. And it's out in the countryside, um, just outside of Prague. And I have a lanyard that is the rainbow flag, which I wore on my first day to work and I didn't think anything of it. And I had every student come up to me and be like, do you know what that means? And I'm like, Yes, do you know what it means? <laughs> and it was a mixture of students, because my students are 15 to 19 kind of thing. And it was a mixture of a little bit of teasing and a little bit of poking. And then there were the students who were like, does, can you like looking for some kind of validation maybe um and so i was very happy to tell them yes i'm part of the rainbow family loud and very proud probably louder than prouder <laughs> um and yeah so it was and so then all my little i call them my baby gays um were coming out to me and they had no one else to come out to because as i mentioned the czech republic as i think in some areas especially in the expat community it's quite open not so much if you move like 25 minutes outside of Prague. Um, so yeah, my, my queer kids all came out to me and I love them all. I love all my students, but you know. <laughs> Special place. Special place in my heart, yeah. And it's, it was a bit of a journey for me to kind of realize, oh yeah, they don't have anyone to talk to. This is not talked about. It's not mentioned in any of their curriculum whatsoever. Uh, so kind of taken it upon myself to be that person um, in my lessons. Hey, if I speak it in English, it's still an English lesson. Um, and thankfully, I'm quite lucky that my direct management doesn't speak English. So I'm using that to my advantage. Uh, <laughs> my, my colleagues in the English department, they know and they're, they're quite comfortable as long as I also cover the rest of the curriculum. Anything I add is an added bonus. So I'm, I'm quite very lucky there and it was actually for them that I wanted to do this to do, to do this event uh, I had uh, an event for International Women's Day back in, back in March uh, at this gallery and even before that I think it was around January time I found this Hong Kong gallery here in Prague which is a weird mix but I lived in Macau in Hong Kong for three years so I was like yeah this is this is my place. And so I decided to do an exhibition on gender. I definitely knew that's what I wanted to focus it on. Um, it took me ages to come up with the name. Um, gender Games. Do you know Dawson? You stole my name. <laughs> Such a good name. But I decided to go for under construction. And I had a lot of help from my kind of third year students. I've got three or four queer kids in that class. And I was getting them to help me kind of write it, um, to pick the names, pick the logos. And they're like, what's it for? We don't understand. What is this? I'm like, 
find out eventually. Um, and I, it started off really small. I had three artists. Um, one was a photographer who's a friend of mine who'd done some portraits about masculinity and femininity. Um, I had uh, one other artist who was, who, was a, who does drag and they also paint as well. And, and then I wasn't really sure how big this was gonna be. And then at the Women's Day event, um, cause it was at the same place. A lot of people were like, oh, you're doing the event in May about gender. Can I be a part of it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I had 12 artists. <laughs> it was far bigger than I kind of anticipated and expected. Um, but I was, I was so grateful that everybody was a recommendation from, from like the core, core group basically. And I just trusted them. I hadn't even seen some of the work till the day that we put it up. Maybe I don't recommend that, but I was very lucky that actually everybody's work was perfect and everyone was amazing to work with. And I didn't, I gave, I sent out a brief of this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want to discuss. Um, I want this to be a safe space to, for people to kind of learn. Um, because in the Czech language, there's no way of using kind of they, them pronouns because it's a masculine feminine um, kind of language. If you do, you end up sounding like the queen, one does this. So it's a bit of a joke within Czech language. Like they feel like they sound like a, you know, a monarch or something like that. But so in English, it's quite easy to do, you know, they, them, it's not an issue. But in Czech, it's still something that people don't really don't understand. And I, yeah, the last two and a half weeks, it has been the only thing I've really been working on. Um, I managed to get one of my students who's an incredible baker to, to bake uh, incredible labia cakes, labia cupcakes, um, and rainbow cupcakes and cake pops, and they were all delicious. I had, um, I had all of the artists come. I had some fly in from like Norway to show some of their work. And yeah, we made a, we made a lot of money, which is excellent. A lot of us sold some work as well. And I found, I didn't have, so I had two drive acts and I, my musician unfortunately had to pull out because they had a much higher paying job in Berlin. And I understood that entirely. And I found um, a, a band by accident at the same place at, at an event like two weeks prior. And I met them and they were, uh, they're a queer couple who were like, yeah, we're, yeah, we do tattoos, we're artists and we were a band. We also do like gigs. And I'm like, cool, what are you doing in two weeks? <laughs> so it fell together perfectly. Um, I'm a complete control freak. Um, so I was at the gallery on Friday setting up from like one o'clock before like a 6 p.m. start. Um, and I did, I genuinely felt so proud putting up everybody's work and like watching what they'd done and what they'd created, reading about how, you know, they'd worn skirts as a child and had, their family had allowed them, but other people had questioned it and they didn't know why. Um, having people show different variations of what the flags mean to them, having people uh, kind of be so vulnerable with taking close-up shots of their skin which 
I, that's not something that I could do. I don't know how someone can be that vulnerable about who they are. So, so self-portraits, um, photographs from different prides around the world. It was, it was, it still is an incredible exhibition, but the event with everybody there, I was a little bit kind of blown away. Um, I was completely shameless and sent the poster on Instagram to every single queer person and queer bar in the whole of Prague and was like, hi, I would love to see you there. And if you can't come, please just share it on your social media. It works. <laughs> it absolutely worked. Every, like my, my, every friend that I saw, they were like, your event is everywhere. I'm like, I know. They're like, oh, did you pay someone? To, I'm like, nope, no, it was just genuinely like, hi, please help me. Because <laughs> I don't want to pay Facebook. I'm not paying Facebook <laughs> um, to, to kind of uh, promote this event, no way. Uh, and so, yeah, it was truly just a word of mouth event, um, which I always think are the best ones. And yeah, it was a, an amazing space for where we could talk, where we could be safe, where people were covered in glitter, people were dressed up and wearing exactly the thing. It's like you peeling off your costume and wearing your outfit. You're wearing you rather than wearing something that you feel safe in. You're wearing what you feel wild in. Um, so yeah, it was it was amazing on Friday. It'll be open until Thursday, until the 26th. Um, and I don't know if we're going to have a closing party yet. I have not decided because it depends on how much work I have to do on Friday. <laughs> but we're definitely going to meet up all the artists together and kind of celebrate our victory because we're all, you know, very proud of ourselves. <laughs> As you should be. It's absolutely incredible. And I guess off the back of that, where can people find you on social media? Do you have a website? Where can they view your artwork? Many, many things. So. Instagram is the best place right now, which is Monica underscore Mills. Um, and it's got all of my lavender girls on there. It's got all of my deconstructed vibes, all of my wonderful posters that I do not have a graphic design degree at all, but had fun making on Canva. Um, and I've actually just opened a shop online. So I will, it's monicamillsart.company.site. And it's where you can buy all the flags on either a tote bag or t-shirts um, or as posters as well. So that's something that I'm kind of really happy because it, it's subtle enough that if you live in an environment where it's not safe to be out, you can still feel proud because I mean, I have, I, have, I have my queer stuff everywhere in the house. <laughs> um, and I know that for some people it's, you can't, be overt, which is horrible and devastating, but it's still, it feels like you're, you know, sticking it to the man if you can still have it there and they don't know about it. Um, so yeah, I will send all of those to you as well. Uh, I very much hope to be doing, um, uh, I'm going to be hopefully doing a queer theatre event in Prague as part of kind of queer Ukraine, because Ukraine was far more um, lenient and kind of liberal but unfortunately with Russia's invasion at the moment I think queer people are the people who are being targeted the most because it's something that is not <clears throat> I want to say the word viable 
or understandable or comprehensible um, in, in Russian society, unfortunately. Um, so we're going to hopefully make uh, do a charity event in a couple of weeks to raise money for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm very chatty, both in person and online. <laughs> so if anyone ever wants to just shoot me a message and say, ask me questions about anything, I'm, oh, I'm, I will reply. It might take me a couple of days, but I will reply. Amazing. Yeah, well, we'll definitely link all those to the show notes. And I personally am excited about your shop. So I will go check that out. And finally, just to finish, uh, I know we've mentioned so many amazing queer content today, but um, can you finally give a recommendation of a queer book, show, business, anything that you want to plug? Um, uh, I think I just recently finished a book called The Death of Vivek Oji. And it was, it is a phenomenal book. It's quite short. It's a fictional book. And it's something that, um, talking about like the trans community in India, and it was so powerful that it, it talks about kind of um, it uses the metaphor of butterflies and it was so powerful I got a butterfly tattoo like last week <laughs> um, so that would be kind of I think everybody in the entire world should read that book um, just because of the way that it makes you feel and I mean right now I'm not really sure what the next thing that I'm going to be working on is um, so yeah just keep a look up yeah, definitely. We absolutely will. Well, thank you so much for today. I think not only is it exciting to see what you've been doing, but just to talk about queer art and queer representation. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for listening today. New episodes are available every other Wednesday. So please do download, share and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. Our topics are designed to be engaging. So if you have any questions or feedback, please do get in touch. You can find us on Instagram at underscore over the rainbow podcast. Our website is www.overtherainbowpod.com, Facebook at over the rainbow podcast 13, and Twitter at over rainbow pod. We also have a queer book club, Reading the Rainbow. So if you want to join us in reading the queer universe, please check out our website or Facebook page for more information. Have a queer week, and I'll see you over the rainbow. Beep.